For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know how to navigate the ever-changing marketing jungle. Today, I've got a great show lined up. I'm going to be joined by Alicia Colin Hurd, and we're going to talk about lead generation funnel strategy from the initial idea all the way through to the execution. This is one of those ones where you're probably going to want to take notes. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Facebook at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show in your favorite podcast app by just checking that little follow button or whatever it is in your app. So you don't miss any of our future content because we've got some incredible, incredible guests lined up for you. Let's now transition over to this week's interview with Alicia Colin Hurd. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Alicia Conlin Hurd. If you don't know who Alicia is, she's a funnel expert. She's built more than 500 funnels to convert traffic into high quality leads. She's the co-founder of Persuasion Experience, an agency that helps businesses build funnels and increase their sales. Her course is the Lead Machine Offer Workshop. Alicia, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Mike. I'm doing very well, and I'm excited to talk about my favorite topic, converting traffic into high-quality leads. I'm really excited that you're here, and that's what we're going to talk about, how to build lead generation funnels that convert. Before we go there, I want to hear your story. How'd you get into all this funnel craziness? Start wherever you want to start. Okay, the origin story. So for me, a lot of my career started off in sales, um, cold calling, telco sales, agency sales, right? The stuff that puts hairs onto your chest. And then as I was going through my career, I had finished my degree and I ended up in a company called King Kong in Australia. So I was one of the first employees there. They're a huge agency out of Australia. And I ended up building their sales funnel and conversion rate optimization team from scratch. So by the time I had wrapped up there after a few years, I had done 400 funnels, landing pages and offers. And I'm talking like everything from Brazilian butt lift doctors and porn addiction counselors and quit smoking hypnotists. And then all the way down to the other end of the spectrum, billion dollar home builders, finance, plumbers, et cetera, and everything in between. So after that, I went and worked in a company called Founder or Founder Magazine. Some people might be familiar with them as. I know Nathan, Nathan Chan, right? Yes, yes. Wonderful Nathan, who has built this amazing company that helps people create and build businesses. And so I came there when they were established, but still a small team to build out their sales funnel and conversion team, launching seven and eight figure courses. And then at the same time, I was starting this thing called Operation Freedom with my partner. And we started side hustling 
And eventually our side hustles overtook our main income and we shook hands over breakfast and we were like, let's resign today and we'll figure it out. And now for Persuasion Experience, we've been doing that for about two years. It was our two-year birthday in January. We have been lucky enough to work with big billion-dollar brands like Linktree and Kogan and Wayflyer. And we've launched products like our Lead Machine Offer Workshop. We've had about 500 people through there. But what we really specialize in and what we do as an agency is helping service-based companies. So typically, these might be a bit boring, right? We don't do e-commerce or the sexy stuff like info products. It's all lead generation. And they want to build a predictable, scalable lead machine so that they can actually convert their traffic and produce high quality leads. So we run traffic for clients, but what we really focus on is squeezing out as much juice out of the economics as we can in their funnel and making sure they're getting buyers, not just leads. So hopefully that's a good overview of the origin story. Yeah. And I have a couple of questions. Did you go to school specifically for marketing? Well, so I actually, when I finished high school, wanted to be a dentist and I ended up having a gap year, which was where I went into cold calling and I was really good at it, even though I'd never paid a bill in my life and I was doing electricity, energy sales. And I was like, oh, and I grew up in a small country town, right? So it's like, hey, you can be a nurse or a teacher. I didn't know business existed as a thing. And so I, instead of being a dentist, I went into a business degree, marketing and event management. But do you know what? That degree had zero information about digital marketing. Not once was it, I think, even muttered. So I worked full-time in an agency during my time at uni, which I think gave me a very good head start in, in my career as well. That's awesome. Event marketing, people need event marketers. I mean, we put on events. It, it's a challenging and interesting business. So you work for a company called King Kong and they're now, I guess, a big agency in Australia. And this is really where you refined a lot of your skills. It sounds like on the funnel side of things. How long did that last for? I'm just curious. How long did I work there for? Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times when people go into the agency world, they kind of burn out pretty quick and they decide to move on to the next thing. Yeah. So I'm a little bit psychotic where I love agencies and I've always been agencies, even at Founder, which is technically client side, because we were always launching new funnels and launches with like people like Nick Shackelford or Joe Decina who created Spartan Race. It kind of felt agency-esque. So King Kong was for three years. But I definitely agree with you. Agency world is not for everybody. You have to be a little bit not quite right in the head, I think, to, to deal with it a long period of time. Right. Okay. So, well, first of all, awesome story about how you've been able to build this business through, you know, learning how to sell. And then ultimately, it sounds like refining a lot of your skills and gifts working in the agency world and then ultimately going off on your own. You said it was called Operation freedom or something like that? Was that your little code word with you and your partner to try to figure out how to break the shackles of working for corporate America? Yes. Well, co corporate Australia. And it wasn't even corporate. I'm sorry. I've always I meant corporate. Yeah. I didn't mean America. I meant <laughs> yeah. corporate in general. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. Yeah. And I always worked in startups. So I wasn't even in corporate. I was in startups. But to be honest, I never, ever thought I would be an entrepreneur or run my own business. I am the best student I am the best employee. I love working. I don't have that typical entrepreneurial flipping candy at school, you know, can't take orders. I get employee of the month all the time. But what sent me down this journey was actually becoming really financially literate. So I, I grew up in small country town, single mum, four kids, 
and poor, basically. And so I started learning about what is financial independence and financial freedom. And I had these systems set up and I, I realized that the only way I was going to get there fast was to make my own money. Like it, was, it wasn't going to happen in a job. Very cool. Well, congratulations on breaking the chain, if you will, and <laughs> an awesome, awesome story. All right. So there are people listening right now who are very active on different strategies in social media, but maybe they're not all in on funnels. So I would love you to make the case why funnels are so important for those. And I know there's a lot of people listening and there's plenty of them that are not using funnels. They've heard me have guests on the show before talk about funnels, but maybe they just haven't fully grasped the power and importance of it. So why don't you share a little bit about why funnels are so important? Okay, cue funnel rant. So I've had this conversation many a times. And what usually happens is that businesses believe that funnels are some Russell Brunson internet marketer thing, and it's not for them, right? I understand that. But here's the thing. A funnel is not optional. If you have a business, you have a funnel. It's just all of the touch points that somebody has with your brand. So this funnel already exists, right? And the problem is most people are brainwashed to believe more ads, more traffic. That's the way to scale. But you can't scale traffic that doesn't convert. And so all of these touch points in your funnel, they're potential revenue leaks, right? Every little number is a potential revenue leak. And all of these little leaks, they add up to sink big ships. As an example, I just brought on a client this week. We just had the kickoff call this morning. And their opt-in page is at 4.4% bad, very bad. But their goal is to add an extra 120K a month. So I showed them by tracking down all the numbers, if we only focused on the opt-in page, assuming that we get the same quality of traffic and everything else remains the same in the funnel, the closes are the same, the show-up rates are the same, everything else, that and that opt-in page goes to 10%, they will add $160,000 a month based on their current ad spend. And that's all they have to change. So in conclusion, why do I believe funnels are so important? It's because the ad or the traffic just gets the click. That is totally worthless unless you know and you understand how to convert the traffic and the, the power of funnels, it can't be ripped off by your competitors. It's how you build a competitive moat around your company because your competitors cannot rip that off. Well, and I'd love to spend a few more minutes on the concept of funnels just for people that don't totally understand it. You made a great case for those that do understand funnels that, hey, optimizing certain parts of your funnel can have a massive mathematical effect, right? Because I'm in agreement with you, it's a math problem right? Like, you know how many people are coming in and you know all the points if you're tracking your analytics at which they're getting through the various gates, if you will, right? And if you can move more people through the various gates, then you can increase your final output. But help everybody understand at like a business level perspective, beyond the mathematics, you said funnels happen no matter what, if you have them or not, but help everybody understand why that's true. Okay. So the way that I think about a funnel, and this very much it pertains to any company, but I'll especially talk about it in terms of lead generation. I think of a funnel in three phases and you might have funnels in there, but this is how I think about it. The first phase is the attract phase. So that's all of the touch points of how you convert attention into a lead. So this might involve your lead magnets, your website, your landing pages, your Google ads. That's all of the interactions somebody has with you up until the moment they become a lead. Now your relationship has shifted and you move into phase two of what we call our PX funnel, which is the convert phase. 
Now the convert phase is my favorite. This is the sales choreography because it is, it's choreography of how you convert a lead into a sale, multiple touch points. You should have all of these mapped out. And then it brings us to the third point of the funnel, which is ascend. So how do you make the most out of every single customer that comes in? A customer is a hard fought asset, right? That you want to leverage. And so a lot of people are so obsessed with getting more leads, more leads, more traffic, more leads. But in the ascend phase, we focus on how do we increase the LTV, the lifetime value of your clients? How do we get referrals? How do we give them an amazing onboarding experience? And we think about that. So to recap, when you think about your funnel, because it's going to be shifting some people's perceptions of what a funnel is, right? It's not some internet marketer scammy thing that you see on like scary Facebook ads. You have one and there's the attract phase. How do you convert attention into a lead who wants to talk to you on the phone? There's the convert phase. How do you turn that lead into a sale? And then there's the ascend phase. How do we give clients their best experience? You should map out every single day for the first month. Then you should map out every single month. How do you 2x, 3x their value? How do you turn them into referrals and case studies? I love it. And I think that was really helpful for a lot of people because everybody has a process, right? But maybe they haven't quite figured it out. And speaking of processes, we're going to dig in now into a, a part of your process. And a lot of people don't have as sophisticated of a process as we're going to talk about with their lead generation funnels. So let's talk about like foundational points, right? Before we get into some of the deep steps of this, like where do we actually start if we're going to build a actual lead generation funnel? So we're going to start in the attract phase because if you don't have leads, it doesn't matter how good you are at sales and it doesn't matter how good your fulfillment is. So out of those three phases, we're focusing here. Within that phase, we're going to be focusing on a lead generation funnel, right? Once we have this working, it's going to increase your conversion rate for your traffic. You're going to get high quality leads, not those time-sucking, money-discounting, annoying kinds of leads nobody wants. And then we're going to be building pipeline. So every month, you're not wondering, hmm, where's my next lead coming from? Like, we're back to zero. So that's what's going to happen in this lead generation part. Now, in this funnel, and a funnel just being every single touch point, there's some core touch points in here. And there's three core offers you're going to make. Now, what is an offer? So an offer is just the thing you put in somebody to motivate and persuade them to take action. When we create your lead generation funnel, when we don't want to create a knockout punch, right? We're not saying, hey, nice to meet you. Give me your money. That's not how a funnel works. Instead, your funnel is going to be a series of micro yeses that we keep getting right throughout. That's going to depend on the temperature of traffic and it's going to depend on the stage of the buyer's journey. I'm sure you'll want me to unpack that so we can get into that as well. So when it comes to the lead funnel, there's a three offers. The first offer is what we call an authority beacon. This is your lead magnet, but done properly. This finds people that are colder, colder temperatures of traffic earlier in the buyer's journey they're not looking for what you do, but you'll often send social media to this, right? So that brings people into your universe and it creates that pipeline. The second offer that you make is your lead generation offer. This is what gets people on the phone with you. Not everybody's ready to talk to you yet in their stage of the buyer's journey. That's the one that I'm going to unpack today, how to create those offers that actually get people who want to talk to you on the phone. Your third offer, because I'm very big on systems and compartmentalizing, right? The third offer 
is the sales offer. That's how you package up what you sell. Now, what most people get wrong is, especially in lead generation, they just go to market and put their sales offer in front of everybody. But you have to get a lead before you can get a sale. And that's what most people miss in their lead generation funnel. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It's just very, very simple. You start minimum viable and then you build on it. And so we can talk about that. But that's a little bit more about the lead gen funnel. Yeah. Two things that we talked about when we were prepping for this is the target market psychology. Let's start with that. What do we need to know about the target market psychology? Okay. So this comes down to our marketing equation, our PX marketing equation, which is psychology plus economics times technology, right? For us, marketing is just inputs and outputs, garbage in, garbage out. What a lot of people get wrong is they get obsessed with their tech stack or they think that AI is going to save them. It's not. AI technology is an accelerator. 1,000 times zero is still zero. So we need to get this first core input right, which is the psychology. And what that comes down to is, as a business, we just exist to serve our customers. We just exist to solve someone's problem and we just exist to make their life easier. Now, what we need to understand when it comes to psychology is our target market avatar. That's the most important input. So if your marketing feels hard or it's not working, you don't have the right inputs. You don't understand the target market's language and what they actually want, right? And so when it comes to the psychology, what we want to be able to do is unpack and uncover the bullseye of the market. What motivates them? What's their dream outcome in their words? What are their big problems? What have they tried before? Because what we're then going to do is be able to take that that information and then turn it into marketing that resonates, messaging that cuts through the noise. And when they read the copy, when they read your marketing, they're going to think, wow, this person can describe my problem even better than I can. It's going to feel like you've ripped a page out of their diary. And psychologically, the business or the person who can best describe the problem well, that target market's going to assume you have it, like you have the solution. But what most businesses get wrong is that they either do no research or they do hardly any, and it's just garbage in, garbage out, right? So that means your marketing is not going to work because that initial input isn't there. Love it. Okay. These are things we need to think about before we actually begin building our lead generation funnels. Now we're going to get into like the first step of actually building the lead generation funnel. And you kind of gave it away in the last sentence there, but what is the first step? And let's dig into it a little bit. Yes. So when it comes to the lead generation funnel right now, what we're going to really focus on is how to create that offer. That's going to be the core component of your funnel, right? The funnel is just the map, the touch points. The offer is the thing that's going to motivate and persuade someone to take the action and to book in a call with you and to actually become a lead. So the first step of any good marketing should be research. And most people skip this step, but it's really important, right? Because it uncovers the bullseye of the market and it puts your marketing on easy mode and it helps you to create that number one input, which is your avatar. So if we think about the research, I'm going to give you three ways to do quick and easy research. But if we think about the research, it's important because we want to actually understand the target market's language. And then we want to mirror that in our communication. And if we think about this, everyone's going to be screening our marketing communication with, so what? Who cares? What's in it for me? So if you're talking in your own company's language jargon, or you're guessing that conversation going on in their mind, 
well, then your marketing isn't going to land. It's not going to work. So how I think about it is, and why research is so important, is that success leaves clues, right? Elon Musk, Tony Robbins, Jeff Bezos, they don't just make this up. They're spending probably millions of dollars on data insights, and all of the big companies are. For a lot of us, though, we find research unsexy and tedious. But what is really sexy is making money. And if we don't get this right, our marketing won't work. So there's three ways that you can start doing research today where it's not going to cost you any money. You don't need the the budget of Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Number one is surveys. And as soon as I say surveys, people cringe and go, they don't work. They do. I love surveys. I love surveys. I love surveys. It's like, I feel like I'm cheating. I feel like I'm cheating when I run them. And so with our surveys, these are conversion surveys. And what do they uncover? They uncover why someone bought. What else had they tried? It uncovers what they were trying to achieve. And my personal favorite question is, how would you explain company X to a friend or colleague? Boom. I now have ad angle ideas, split test ideas, landing page headlines straight off the bat. Okay. So you got me asking a curious question. So these surveys are surveys that you're doing after someone is converted as a customer. Is that what you're telling me? Or are these surveys that you're sending to people that are like on your email list that might not be customers? I'm, I'm curious because it was very creative. If after they become a customer asking them these questions, I'd never thought about that before. I'm not sure if that's where you were going or not. Yes. So it depends on the size of the company we work with. We always will send out a survey to existing customers. I'll quickly go into the weeds a little bit on it. So we send it out and then we distill it down into a survey insights report. So there's the raw data, there's the report. But what happens from here, because this is also an NPS score, right? So there's the qualitative data and then there's NPS. And what we get our clients to do is that anyone's a nine or a 10, they invite them to testimonial recordings. And now we have a testimonial machine up and running. What we also get them to do, because I want them to send these out quarterly at least, is then they read the feedback on their service offering. They make an action plan. They roll it out for a quarter. They've got a baseline of an NPS score and then next quarter they come back and they send it out again. And ideally they have increased the NPS score. So that's how powerful just that system is overall for a company. Okay, real quick, net promoter score. Everybody's seen these in their inbox. They might not have used them, but there's typically on a scale of one to 10 or something like that, right? How likely would you promote, recommend this to a friend, right? Are you suggesting a simple survey that simple? Or are you also suggesting more sophisticated surveys? Like, for example, why did you decide to purchase this product? What was the problem you hoped it would solve for you? That kind of stuff? Exactly. Okay. Yes. So the NPS score gives us a number and quantitative data tells us what, but not why. And so the biggest objection I get when I talk about these is no one responds to surveys. Well, they do if you ethically bribe them. And give them something to do. It. Oh, okay. And that is how we do it. We would usually give a winner. Some of our clients give something for all the respondents. And the other thing is it's in the framing of how you ask because everybody wants to give their opinion. So in the framing of how we ask about the surveys, that's like the, the dynamic duo of how we get this data. I love it. And having done a lot of surveys myself, 
at Social Media Examiner, we'll often bury a, a little incentive, uh, like after question three, that says for everyone who completes all the questions in the survey, you will be entered to win a free ticket to Social Media Marketing World, which will incentivize them to finish it, not to start it, right? And it's more incentivizing someone to finish it because like they already started it. We want them to finish it. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. You said there's three different ways, and I love surveys. I feel like they're the best, but they're not obviously the only option. So what are the other options? So the second option is I kind of call it reading people's journals. Like the whole point of this is you want to read people's minds, right? And that's what it feels like when you get this running. So this is where we do our third-party research. So we go to places like Amazon Book Reviews. We use the second largest search engine in the world, YouTube. We type in the industry, the niche, the problem. We look at the suggested keywords. We look at the top performing social. We read the comments. What is my personal favorite is reading Amazon Book Reviews that people leave. For example, we're working with a neurosurgeon in Austin and we go and read all of the book reviews on healing back pain and people are pouring out their hearts. It's, it's heartbreaking. Like they're, they're pouring out everything that's happened to them. I love this. And it doesn't have to be written by the, the person you're working with, but it's giving you a lot of raw data in their language. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, exactly. And so we go and read that and then we start to see patterns and commonalities in the before state, the after state, what they've tried and how they how they articulate their dream outcome. We also go, yeah, so there's the YouTube. We also go through and all of our clients' testimonials. So we scrape those USAI and do word clouds. We do that for their competitors as well. But that's one way where you can start to see what the target market is saying. And it's free, right? And you should be obsessed with your target market if you want to win. So that's number two. Cool. Number three. And number three, the third one, is installing feedback loops in the company. Not many people do this and they don't have it systematized if they do. And what I mean by feedback loops is that companies have people on the front lines understanding trends, understanding questions, understanding the target market's language and innermost feelings. Those people are your sales team. Those people are your customer support reps. Those people are your account managers. Your social team probably as well, right? Yes, your social team and comments. That's a big thing we do is social listening and reading all of the comments that we get on our ads. So if you can set those up where you're, even if it's just an, a formal meeting once a month where the sales team's like, hey, everyone's asking this question. Well, one, you're going to know how to fix your marketing to get better, higher quality leads. But two, you're going to go, oh, that's interesting. That's shifted. I need to shift my marketing. So those are the three ways to do research. The surveys, the third party research and the feedback loops. I love this. And just to kind of wrap it all up, folks, the reason we do this research is so that we have the language, as we talked about earlier, so that when we write our sales page or lead generation page, we're using the language or videos or whatever, right? We're using the language that signals to the recipient that these people are for me, they understand me. And that's the setup for obviously the next stage of the process, which is what exactly? So the second stage, we're going to talk about the strategy component, right? There's research, there's strategy, there's execution. If you, in Australia, we call it cook. If you cook your research, then your strategy is not going to work. So the strategies is where we want to create the offer. Now, when we think about the offer, because and I want this to be super actionable, so everybody can think about this now. 
What we're looking to do is put something in front of somebody that's going to be the next logical step, the next micro step to take with us. At the moment, a lot of people might be doing submit a form, chat with sales, get a quote. But someone's going to look at that and think, so what? Who cares? What's in it for me? And what I find with so many clients is when we create this lead generation offer, the core of your lead generation funnel, is that they're giving all this value on a sales call, but they're not communicating it to get the initial lead. And we need a lead before we get a sale. Before I get into the weeds, what I want you to do right now, if you're listening, is think, okay, what value do we already give on this call? What do we send out afterwards? What questions are we answering what are people looking for? Maybe they are looking for a quote, but they need this as well. Or maybe they're a little bit earlier in the buyer's journey and it's more of a discovery session. That's what I want people to start thinking about. What are the types of leads coming in? What's their temperature? And what's their stage of the buyer's journey? And what we want to do is create a lead generation offer that somebody will take up. It'll persuade and motivate them to take action. And it should show them that they're going to come away from that call better than when they went in, whether they go ahead with you or not. That's what we want to give away because the lead gen offer is its own offer, right? That's how we get more high quality leads. Can you define what that means? What is a lead generation offer for people that don't know really what that means? Yes. So the lead gen offer is what somebody will take up to book a call in with you or to to take the next step with your business. So it could be an ebook, for example. So an ebook is more the authority beacon. That's the lead magnet higher in the funnel. This offer we put in front of people because we want to get a lead but not everybody should see this offer. So a lead gen offer is, I guess, how it sounds. I'll try not to just paraphrase it though, but you put it in front of people who are actively looking to become a lead. They need to talk to somebody. That's their next step. So that's when you put this type of offer in front of them. Do you have an example just so people can wrap their head around this? Because a lot of people maybe don't even understand what a lead generation offer is. Yes, cool. Let's do it. So I'll, I'll use an example, maybe like, like a healthcare example or something. So there's a lead magnet or an authority beacon would be five ways to get more out of your Medicare package. As an example, you put that in front of people earlier in the buyer's journey because they're not looking to talk to someone yet. They're in research phase. The next offer that somebody will see in your funnel is the lead gen funnel. That's somebody that goes, okay, I know I have this problem. I'm now looking for a solution and I'm looking at different people who can help me to solve the problem. Now you're going to put a lead generation offer in front of them that might be something like speak with a friendly specialist today and find out how to maximize your Medicare package. Click here to book your free, no obligation call. Uh, That's a lead generation call. Got it. Then on that sales call, the person's going to say, cool, so you've got this problem. We're a good fit for you. Here's how we do it. That's the sales offer. And that's to convert the lead into a customer. Got it. Okay. So, so the lead generation offer is something that's more valuable that directly solves a problem that a prospect is going through. And typically you're going to get somebody on the phone is what really what I'm hearing with you or do a video call or a demo or something along those lines, right? That's the goal to, to feed high quality leads to the sales team. Got it. So how do we actually create an offer that's quality, right? Like, I mean, that's really part of it. Like, okay, that sounds really cool. But how do we even know what kind of offer to create that's valuable? Yes. So I'm going to give a couple of examples, but the first step is to name the offer. What's the thing that they're getting? What are they doing? So as an example of a, of a template we use is, this is for colder traffic. Discover how you can achieve dream outcome. That's an input with your free 20 minute name for consult. 
So that's discover how you can achieve dream outcome with your free 20-minute name for consult. An example of that would be discover exactly how you can source your next profitable product from China with your free 30-minute product sourcing plan. There you go. 100% free, no obligation. Like that's where you're thinking, what's the next micro step? So this is someone that's a bit colder in discovery. For someone that's a little bit hotter, a little bit further up, this is another template. Apply for your free dream outcome. See, there's the inputs, right? If you don't know the dream outcome, your offer won't work. So apply for your free dream outcome consultation with countries top what you're an expert in. So it's going to be hard for people to follow along. No, I love that. Like if you're a coach, right? If you're an executive coach, right? That's a great example. Yes, exactly. You know, like uh, apply for your free how to go out on your own, you know, uh, how to break free from the corporate world with the leading coach. Man, you're an offer expert already. Look I mean, that's that. really what we're talking about here, right? That, that, right? Yes. Okay. I love it. I love it. An example of that we did for a home builder in Dallas is apply for your champagne design consultation mm. with Dallas top remodeling and additions firm. And that's exciting. It's like, Ooh, champagne design consultation. That's sexy. I want to do that. What's in it for me? Oh, I see what I see what this offer is. I'm excited. Tell me about the word apply, because obviously it's different than just another word, right? It sounds like you might not be accepted, right? Exactly. It shifts the frame. So in marketing, you can either be an authority or a commodity. There's no gray area. You're one or the other. And so most businesses are commoditized. They're not very good at authority marketing. But when you use certain persuasion triggers like apply or different words that you understand, then you start to shift the perceived power or the perceived value. And really, you want people, you want leads coming to you with the predetermination to work with you. Most people either don't get enough volume of leads or they get really crappy leads or both. <laughs> this helps to shift it where someone's like, I want that. I want this. And then they come with a different mindset than like, oh, I'm going on a stinky commission breath sales call where I'm going to be forced into buying something. You've provided value upfront. And that's how we shift the perceived benefit with this lead generation offer. Now, there are some people listening right now that may not have a sales team and the offer may not be like live with me for 30 minutes. Can this be used in a way where it's not, doesn't require someone to get on a, a call with someone for like a half an hour? Yeah. And that's just, it depends on understanding that next micro step in the journey. So maybe then you should be working on your lead magnet offer, that authority beacon, and that you warm them up before you give them this offer. So I'm also, I'm founder-led sales, right? I don't have a sales team. I do all of my own sales. I don't want volume. I want people going through my products, my YouTube channel. I want them understanding my language, being pre-qualified before I talk to them. For most high-ticket lead generation, so anything over maybe five, and 500 is not high-ticket, but anything maybe over 500, you probably have to have a sales call at some point. You just don't want to talk to all of these people who aren't ready yet. So that's where you make sure that this, this offer is just going in front of those people who are ready to take the next step. You know, it's funny because I'm building a new house and there's a lot of design centers in the city that I'm in and you have to apply to come in. They won't just let anybody, I could probably walk in the door, but to apply to talk to a design consultant is how they do it. Right. And you fill out this little form and then they assign you someone. Right. And I think that act of doing that forces you to be like, oh, if I'm meeting with a design consultant, I'm a serious buyer, right? Exactly. And there, there is something different than just walking into a showroom and seeing a bunch of refrigerators, you know, and a bunch of appliances and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sales process starts in the marketing. 
the goal of marketing is to make selling superfluous or like unnecessary, right? Your sales, this, this is how my sales works. I'm not doing hardcore selling. Someone comes in, they're like, I want to work with you. I go, cool, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to, if it's a good fit, I'll tell you more. If it's not, I'm going to give you this actionable game plan and tell you where to focus. And that's my sales calls because my marketing and my funnel is set up to deliver those high quality leads. Let's talk about bonuses and let's talk about valuing the offer or the value in the offer. This is stuff that we had discussed when we were prepping for this. Yeah. So we've got the name of the offer and now we want to pack like a bit of value into it. So the next thing that you can add to this is what is the tangible thing you might give them? So it's like apply for your champagne design consultation with Dallas's top remodeling and additions firm. Now, obviously, after this sales call, they're going to send some sort of proposal. Now, don't call it. And then after the call, we'll send you a sales proposal. Call it something else because they're probably going to get a lot of value out of it. So it's kind of like a euphemism. What's a euphemism for the name of your proposal? We call it a funnel game plan, like a marketing game plan. And it is custom and bespoke. But spoiler alert, it's my proposal to, to get you to become a customer. So that's the tangible thing. And that's how they know they're going to come out more valuable than, than if they don't work with you. Then what you want to do is have a few bullets, maybe just three bullets of like, and on this call, here's what you're going to discover. And the good thing is you have already done your research. So you know the dream outcome. You know what we call the big ass problem, the BAP. And you know the other bullseye of the market. Like, you know those three things. Then you just reverse engineer those into bullets. You're going to find out. Duh, duh, duh. Click here. And people are like, wow, I want that. How did you know? That's exactly what I want. Well, and, you know, I'm thinking creatively as you're speaking about some of these tangible things that you could potentially provide. Like, for example, it could be like uh, if you're a tech person, it could be like an audit, right? Or it could be like a security audit is going to be one of the things you're going to get after you're, if you're like a security person. Or it could be a landscape design, right? If you're a landscape architect, right? After we meet with you, we will provide you a complimentary landscape design, right? Something that is super valuable for the recipient, right? And then during the actual whatever this 30-minute process is, give me some examples of like, just so people can like wrap their head around like how something like this might be positioned. Like if I was meeting with you to do one of these kind of things, what would I hypothetically get? You know what I mean? Because it sounds like we're putting this on the offer page, right? Yes. So in terms of what you would get as in the the end person, like what would well, the Well, here's what you're going to discover, right? You said, here's what you're going to discover after. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. For example, with that home builder, the luxury home builder in Dallas, it's like, discover how to build your home on time and on budget guaranteed. Discover how to stay in your current home, but transform it into your dream home. Discover how to blah. And those are like the three things that people want to. Ah, and discover how to not accidentally hire the wrong contractor and have a serious problem on your hands or not meet production schedules. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And when we get into the, we can jump into the third step now, if you like. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Cue third step. So this is the execution <laughs> part and making the offer. So with that amazing client that we had, she's called Build TX. Hello, Yulitzer, if you're listening. Wait, say the name again. It's called Build TX. Build TX. If okay. anyone needs an amazing remodeling and additions firm in Dallas. Okay. And this client, so we do our research. We do our due diligence. She has a huge following on Instagram. And when we start to survey her customers, it's really interesting. They all liked that they were a female-led company. Three friends slash sisters have like created this company. It's all female-led. 
What we also start to unpack in our research is the horror stories, the horror stories in this market. Either everyone's experienced one or they have a friend, like everybody has heard of a horror story. The other core piece of information we uncover in the research is that people don't know what they want yet. They've started creating Pinterest boards, Instagram mood boards, but they don't, they haven't figured it out, right? They're not the expert. They have an idea. And so what we noticed in our competitor research was very masculine, very male dominated, and everybody's saying, get a quote, get a quote. But the problem is that's not the next micro step of the target market. How can you get a quote on something that you don't know what you want? What they want is a design consultation. That's where they're at. And we tell them we're going to help you to bring your design to life. We're going to guide you through how to create this. And we called it a champagne design consultation because what we figured out in research is it's mainly women. And so we were kind of tapping into the selling sunset TV show kind of vibe, like that excitement of, yeah, champagne design consultation. And that's how we came up with that offer, which built a multi-million dollar pipeline in the first week of launching. Okay. So this third step is the execution step, right? And you just gave a great example of like how it works with this company in Texas. What are the other parts of this step, right? Like, obviously I know that we're taking the first part of the step and the second part of the step, which I'm space kidding. Oh, the research, we're taking the research, right? And we're applying the strategy, but now we're in this execution stage, right? And is there any other little stuff that we need to be thinking about, right? Because I know that like this story is a great example, but how do you go from just having a strategy to actually executing? Yeah, and the execution part, the most important thing is the speed to market. Only your target market can tell you whether you have a million dollar offer. And so now that we've created our offer, we've, we've heard the story of how we can bring it all together through research and then the strategy. Now we have it. It has to live somewhere. People need to see it. So the offer goes onto a landing page. You should have one dedicated landing page with one offer for one target market with one call to action. The offer is what they get, the value. The call to action is how they take it up. And usually the most important part of the page, because it will match the temperature of traffic, is the above the fold. And the above the fold is before somebody starts to scroll. 100% of people will see this and you'll typically give your offer in the above the fold. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you recommend above the fold. Obviously on desktop, you've got a little more real estate than on a mobile device. So assuming we're talking about a desktop situation here, like typically that means a headline, a subhead, and maybe an opening paragraph, right? But what else would you recommend go above the fold in the offer? Okay. We'll break it down. So above the fold in the navigation, in the top left-hand corner, you'll have your logo. In the top right-hand corner, you'll have your phone number if you want to get phone leads and you'll have the call to action, which might be something like apply for my free strategy session. That's our navigation. Now we have that panel, that above the fold panel. So when we talk about a headline, a really easy headline people can use a formula is what we do and how it benefits you. That's a simple one. We can just do that. And then what you might have is a couple of sentences about the offer, speak with a specialized finance expert today, and you'll discover the three bullets with a call to action. And then under that call to action, under any call to actions, you want to have the friction remover so that people will click it. Testimonials. Yeah, yep. testimonials, um, trust pilot, plugin, icon. You might have it's 100% free, no obligation. It depends on what's the biggest friction. And you'll always have that under the button to remove that. Now, above the fold, you also might have 
a video or an image. What I will say is when you're doing the design of your landing page, everything needs to earn its spot on there. Love it. It's important real estate. So you should test it. Yeah. And don't just chuck stuff on because it looks pretty. Yeah. Everything is an opportunity to help improve conversions. So that's the overview of how to create a high converting above the fold. Alicia, I know I speak on behalf of my audience that there's some people that pulled over to the side of the road and started taking notes. And there's other people that were like going to be listening to this again, because there's so much amazing stuff that we, we just barely scratched the surface. So two questions, if people want to reach out on the socials, what's your preferred platform for them to connect with you? And secondly, if they want to check out your company and what you do, where do you want to send them? Awesome. So the first one is It depends what sort of content you like to ingest, but I'm on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram, all under Alicia Conlon Heard. We give everything for free, everything. Deep dive, you tell me what you want to see, I'll make a video on it, and that's how we create a lot of our content. The second way, the next step, what's the next micro step for everybody to take with me? Well, I love making offers, and so I thought today, Mike, we would make something called an Endless Leads gift bundle. So if people head to Persuasion experience.com forward slash SME. What they're going to get in there is our survey process. So you're going to know exactly, take that and run with it. You can do that today. You're going to get our AI prompts to help you to speed up all of your research. And instead of doing it in hours, you'll do it in minutes. I'm going to give you five of our lead generation offer templates. So those, those ones that I mentioned, you'll just be able to swipe and deploy those. You're going to get a swipe file of all of our high converting landing pages from our clients, three landing page video teardowns. If you want to hear more of my Aussie accent in your ear talking about stuff, we've got that for you. And also what we call the pipeline builder funnel strategy. So all of the things I kind of touched on today, if you want to go deeper and have your best year ever, persuasionexperience.com forward slash SME. Alicia, I hope everybody paid attention to what you just did there (laughs) because Alicia is really good. She offered an irresistible offer and be sure to check it out for sure. If not for anything else, just to see how she does what she does. Persuasionexperience.com slash SME. Alicia Conlin heard. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. We're so much better because of it. Thank you for having me. Hey, if you missed anything, and I know there was a lot, we took the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 604. Hey, if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. If you've been a longtime listener, would you help us out by letting your friends know about this show? I am at Stelzner on Facebook, at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. And do check out our other shows, the Marketing Agency Show and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week, I promise. I hope you make the best out of your day and may your marketing keep evolving. Catch you next time. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.